Professor Flimflam, she's Wonko, and this is episode 10 of the second series of A Bard's Eye View. And today we're looking at yet another classic episode, good run of episodes in this series, um, The Xena Scrolls. Hi. <laughs> this is where I normally say, hey friend, and <laughs> friend talks over me. Yeah, well, so what happens is... We- what usually happens is that you leave just enough of a gap between your intro and saying, hi, friend, that I think I'm supposed to say something. Uh, and then I start to speak just as you say hi to me. Um, oh, well, I say hi because I panic that you're not going to say anything. So maybe we should discuss these things before we record. Okay. That's an Do you want to start again? No, fuck that. This is our fourth <laughs> go. This is our fourth go. <laughs> so. I'll cut that awkward we- pause out anyway. People that are listening are going to be like, "What awkward pause?" Because I've cut it. All right. Yeah. So let's talk. Let's talk about the episode because it's it's a good one for for my on my part. I think it's a really good one. And we mm. we start with someone sort of digging in the dirt, and it, it you know it, it feels like a normal episode until we pull back and we see it's an archaeological site. Mm-hmm. People in some people in modern dress, um, and we get the. Modernish, and we get a, a caption: Macedonia, nineteen forty. Yeah, did so your caption say radical? Did your caption say nineteen forty? It did. Yeah, so did mine. Uh, but I see because that, that creates a plot hole in the episode. Uh, which it, yeah, uh, when I looked up on the the fandom wiki, um, was corrected in later airings. Uh, <laughs> by just changing the date, uh, they changed it later yeah. to Macedonia, nineteen forty-two, uh, because that makes more sense <laughs> in the context of um, later yeah, things that are stated be, in the show. It may be maybe the only yet another Xena inconsistency that, that was ever corrected. Might be the only anachronism <laughs> that's ever been corrected. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's because this is an anachronism that is about an actual historical event. I yeah. when when the and United within... States entered the Second World War. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you know, that's Johnny Come Lately. Later. They just didn't come. A, yes. didn't come along for the start. Yeah, Late, later than previously advertised. <laughs> 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 however, however, um, so what what we have here it becomes apparent very early on. What we've got here is the Indiana Jones episode. Oh, it's that's, so good. That's the. That's the thing, really, isn't it? And it, it's so well done. Yeah. And we have we have the very rare occurrence, very rare instance of the clip show, where the the scaffolding is is better than the the building it's propping up, basically, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um. I actually think that Xena clip shows are pretty good for that. Other uh, other mm. than the first one that they did, which is awful. Um, the yeah. Athens City Academy of the Performing Arts, uh, one oh, yeah, of the worst episodes of season embarrassing. one. But, um, mm-hmm. I think that all of the Xena clip shows actually are good and and entertaining to watch in their own, of their own merits. There's yeah. this one, and then next season we've got um, Forget Me Not, which actually introduces some important series lore. Okay. And it's in the actual clip show episode, and then they've got what other ones that are set in the present day that are all about like past life regression and mm. things like that. Yeah. And then there's the clones one, which is ridiculous but fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, but but yeah. this this kind of established that tradition, and for me, this is the one that that really sticks out, and it mm-hmm. it 
didn't add a great deal to um, the show lore, but it added just immeasurably to the fandom. Yes. And to, to, to fandom output in terms of fan, fanfic and fan art and uh, mm-hmm. just uh, this creative blossoming of these two characters who appear fairly briefly and then we never go back to them. Um, no. But they, they really took took hold in the imagination of, of the fandom. And the first one we meet, so a, a beautiful black car, you know, all, all in, in um, period 1940s car, rolls up and out steps someone with very long legs and some some high-heeled shoes that don't mm-hmm. look ideal for an archaeological dig. And um, oh, Well, she's we very the, the... ill-prepared for what she's about to end she up in. She is very the ill. Point of she is character. very ill-prepared. Yeah. Um, and we get the traditional scan up the body from the from the shoes up, and it's someone wearing a, a quite a nice tailored forties suit in a, in a very tasteful plum colour. Mm. And um, hey, is yeah. that is that Zena meowing? It is, yeah. I recognise that individual meows. Also, I could see her at the corner of her ear on the <laughs> screen. Um, <laughs> so what we have is Lucy Lawless in a in a prim little. Um, 1940s suit mm-hmm. and a little hat and some nice horn rim glasses. Oh yeah, when and we got sport- to the glasses my wife was like, ooh, that's a nice outfit because the glasses are the part that my wife will hone in on every time being, <laughs> being a, you know, an optometrist it's her stock and trade yeah. Uh, Indeed. Yeah. She looks great uh, but I think it's really cool what I really like is the um, is how uh, both these characters are cast against type. Yes um, Yeah because the person she's coming to meet is our secondary, you know, well, a sort of primary protagonist of this episode, actually, which is yeah. um, Janice Covington, played by Renee O'Connor, and she's the Indiana Jones. She is. She's and Indiana boy, Jones. Boy, does she wear you know? it well. And yeah. So, so again, we we get the scan up from from the the high the knee high laced boots up to the riding breeches or whatever they are, to a Joggers. gun at the waist, to a leather jacket. To fedora. a, a c- cigar clench between her teeth yeah. and the fedora, and it's just magnificent. And she's really, such a lesbian perfect. as well, like such a lesbian, such a lesbian. Like that, I don't think the the episode is even attempting to hide it, you know, because she's like, like, that's no way to treat a lady. And then later on, she's like, get the girl, you know, because uh, like, <laughs> as if you're not one, as if it's like, get the girl, as if she's describing some a creature completely alien to herself. You know, yeah. it's like not <laughs> get the broad. Yeah, get the broad. So both and like and like them. the way she like addresses her as well. You know, she's like, I guess it's just in my blood, sweetheart. You know, it's like yes. she's like gay as so so gay. Like this is a really queer yeah. episode. <laughs> it is, and and not the last. No, not the last no, of this particular no, no. run of episodes. <laughs> yeah, so. So they're they're playing against type. So uh, the character played by Renee O'Connor, Janice Covington, is the the butch action woman, mm-hmm. and the character played by Lucy Lawless is the is the very prim uh, Mel Pappas, Melinda Pappas, um, bookish, bookish, and she she has the most delightful southern drawl. <laughs> so yeah. I know I know you're always saying I can't do an American accent, but I can do Mel Pappas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can do Mel Pappas. I don't think any American in the world has that accent, but like, who cares? Like, it's really, <laughs> uh, you yeah, know, pro- proper southern, proper southern belle. Yeah, yeah, 
you know, she's got, um, and she does have a distinct, this is what my wife said as well, she's got a, a very, I am a librarian sort of vibe. Absolutely. <laughs> she's got librarian chic, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, so, so Mel, Mel Pappas is, is looking for Janice because she, she found some papers in her, her father's study after he died and there was a telegram from Janice asking for help. So she says, I'm, I'm Mel Pappas. And, and Jan is like, the hell you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So but she, she explains, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm Mel's daughter, Melinda. So basically, uh, Mel Pappas seeks Janice Covington for translation, maybe more. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's, um, this is all obviously uh, supreme fanning, but like they're leaving the door open for us. You know, the ground is soft and we're willing to dig. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. of like how bored she must have been or how much she was looking to escape from her previous life. Because mm. like to just like, ah, yes, here is a year old. Um, yeah. <laughs> here is a year old telegram from someone I've never heard of asking for me to, to go to, to my father who's now dead. Yeah. Asking. uh that I, you know, asking for him, not me, to go to yeah. what is now a war-torn country, and a yes. continent that is completely <laughs> that is currently um, completely overwhelmed by conflict, um, in order to yeah. translate some ancient Greek. Uh, and I know that just the thing. I'm going to go <laughs> in in my court shoes. Yeah, and, uh, and my best, but my best suit. Yeah, my Sunday suit. So yeah, you got to love that. <laughs> You gotta love that. So you know, <laughs> plot contrivance, but yeah, characterization. You know, let's think. Let's dig dig into Mel Pappas's backstory. Which, which, if you want to, I can recommend several dozen fanfics that will do that for you. <laughs> indeed, yeah. indeed. And then I have to say, this is one of the reasons that it's one of my favorite episodes, just because of the the wealth of of fanfic mm-hmm. that it that it gets. And we, we'll talk. Let's talk about that after we've we've done the episode a bit, shall we? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But we can speed this episode along a bit, right? Because I didn't even make, we can. I didn't even make notes for this episode because I figured that I didn't need to. Um, because I remembered the storyline of it like without yeah. prompting, and like the storyline, the actual storyline of the episode is just it is the story is just the you know the to tie the clips together, you know. It yeah. But it is, and it is. It is basically Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh huh. Yeah, part, it is. Like, see, the that's part, the thing, right? Yeah. The thing about clip show episodes is that there's so, the reason you do clip show episodes is because they're cheap, right? Mm. That's why clip show episodes are done. And I think yeah. that Athens City Academy, the Performing Bards, was a really cheap show to produce. You know, very little yeah. in the way of sets or anything. A very short filming window. And a lot yeah. of clips, like way more, it felt like way more clips. Um, whereas this one, uh, it was six days instead of the normal seven for a uh, yeah. schedule. So like you saved like a day, <laughs> but the mm. amount of effort that's gone into it, I would be really interested yeah. to know what the budget for this episode was because like it just, it feels like it couldn't possibly have saved them that much money to do it. But <laughs> No, and there are actually only about six or seven clips yeah, that's it, true. Which I, I, yeah, it's not actually that many. So, and there and, are a lot and shorter. The clips, the, yeah. And the clips serve the story mm-hmm. of the the clip show rather than, you know, it, it feels like yeah. it's it's this 
Indiana Jones story that's driving the episode. Mm-hmm. Not that's the probably why clips. it's better than the Athens City Academy yeah. one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and they like they didn't have that many clips to use for that one because they'd only yeah. had twelve episodes True. up to that point. Yeah, so we get some we get some nice set pieces. We get um, Mel being kind of confronted in the tent where she's gone to look for Janice Covington uh, by some thugs with guns, and then Janice coming out, cigar in hand, and, and shooting and running running out of bullets and using a whip, and then unveiling a Gatling gun. Yeah. <laughs> So it's a really, and, really, really nice. Set and piece. for all of the for all of the gunplay in this episode, um, yeah, no one actually gets shot. Well, actually, two people do get shot, but that's for much later. But like Janice yeah. shoots so like a Gatling gun that that, that would shred you. Like those are fucking absolutely those are flesh shredders, man. But everyone's a really bad shot, and nobody yeah. actually gets shot. Janice doesn't even duck; she just no. stands there. She just stands pew, pew, pew. there, going, "You know what? There's not a chance you're going to hit me." Yeah. I've got plot armor, and you're a bad every, shot. Every antique, every antique in the in the tent is presumably in smithereens by the uh-huh. end. Of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing she's not that interested in the things she's digging up. Yeah, because because she, she's really only after one thing. She's after the fabled Xena scrolls. This word has come down to her from her from her father that there yeah. are some kind of first hand accounts, presumably written by Gabrielle, um, of the exploits and adventures of. Zena, who she knows is a real historical character, despite what everyone else says. Yes. So yeah. that's that's what we're after. There's something that's been passed In... down over decades, centuries, from ancient yeah. times through her family. I wonder why. Yeah, it's it's the forbidden knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah. Um... So we've got that. We've got that really really nice fight. Um, so Janice sends these guys packing. Um, and then as soon as they come out of, out of the tent, lo and behold, there's a there's another antagonist, uh, a guy called Schmidt. I mean Smythe. So mm-hmm. clearly, Nazi yeah. guy. Because um, obviously the, the, the antagonist of any any Indiana Jones has to be the Nazis. Well, yeah, yeah, that's obvious, you know. Um, but this is um, he's played by the guy that played. Um, what's his name that took the Ixion stone? Um, Dagnon. Dagnon. And he also played yeah. Soul Patch Man who tried to enslave the Amazons. Oh, Soul Patch um, Guy. He was so a this is like his third or fourth. Well goal. spotted. Well spotted. Yeah. Well researched. <laughs> well <laughs> no, I, mean, I just recognised him. <laughs> like, uh, and he does uh, a different accent for this one, so that's good. He does a sort of posh yeah, English. Good. He's quite good he's with this quite, one. It's actually, he's, posh, he's a so good he's... antagonist, I think. Yeah, he turns up in a Panama hat and a bow tie and with mm. a, a cut glass English accent. So we so we know he's a baddie. We know exactly. he's exactly. That's how you know he's a baddie. Like you yeah. know, yeah. It's, this is of a type, <laughs> you know. But we also meet um, we also meet another character uh, who's calling himself Jacques Sir. <laughs> the name is Sir Jacques Sir. Jacques Sir, and he's uh, got this uh, hilarious yeah, comedy French uh, accent. Um, kind of dressed as a not not quite a gendarme because it's the wrong, but he's he's got the it's a he's in an army French, French French uniform French, French army, army uniform. uniform yeah yeah and um, so the all the moustache. the protagonists are all set you know yeah <laughs> so we've got the three the we've got Zena Gabriel and Joxer yep or Mel Janice and Jacques Mel Janice and Jacques-er. <laughs> Jacques <Sir. laughs> sorry <laughs> 
basically everyone has a lot of fun in this. So they're all doing, yeah, all three having... of those guys are, are, are doing quite fun accents. They're, they're doing enjoying some, some themselves. Nice voice work. They're enjoying yeah. themselves so much. Uh, and then yeah. we've got Smythe, who's our baddie, right? And they want access to... They all, uh, Smythe wants the Xena Scrolls because he's going to sell them to the Nazis, probably. Um, because yeah. they've got this idea that they've got some sort of supernatural thing or some like dark secrets uh, well, that can give you the power of and the gods as I or say, whatever. It's it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and everyone knows that the Nazis were super into magic. Yeah. Everyone knows that. We've seen it in Raiders of the Lost Ark. We've seen it in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Nazis yes, were we've, into we've magic. Seen it. We've seen it in documentaries such as such as Raiders of the Lost such Ark. as Raiders of the Lost Ark and um, Thor yeah. and no Captain America the First Avenger. It was actually I'll take it back. Um, <laughs> so, I think you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, well, bad guys actually... got. <laughs> so bad guys got this tablet thing, which is the key yep. to get into the tomb where these things are supposedly kept. You know. Mm-hmm. Um and um, Janice is trying to trick him by pretending that the tablet is a fake and that um, it doesn't tell them the right combination of colours. To yeah. it's like the lock on this is literally just like blue, green, red, yellow, <laughs> and like you do it in the right order. You know, it yeah, feels it's like, like it's um, Simon Says. That, yeah, is that yeah. The, is that the thing? Yeah. I don't know, man. It feels like something you could crack with a bit of trial and error. <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> Like you wouldn't but, necessarily need the tablet to tell you. Like it's a, it's literally a three digit combination. Um, yeah, you know. and 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 Mel is there to say, oh well, well no, Janice, you got it the wrong way around. It's it's ruby then emerald. He's <laughs> like, yeah, that, yeah thanks, thanks for that, Lord, love I was you. Trying to pull the wool over his eyes. Thanks for that, love you, fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> So in they go to this tomb because Mel, like an absolute plank, has given away the the combination. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like it's a bike lock, isn't it? Like with just three three yeah. little barrel bike lock. Yeah, that's what crack. it is. <laughs> anyway, so they they get in, and apparently whoever designed this tomb also designed every one of Sisyphus's castles because yes. it's got the same stairs <laughs> that turn into a slide. Yeah. They, yeah, someone, some chippy on set put a lot of work into that staircase, and by God, they were going to use it as many times as they could. By God, they're going to use it repeatedly. By uh, sorry, sorry, by the gods. By the gods. Um. <laughs> so we get down to the bottom, and fortuitously enough, yep. we're now separated from the baddie and his henchmen. Yeah. Who I think uh, Janice it, seems to believe very easily has died in this fall, but you know, obviously not. We're going to see him again. Um, yeah, but then written it, on it's the... established at this point as well. By the way, that um, without her glasses, Mel is as blind as Velma Dinkley, so she oh, yeah. needs those glasses. Yeah, very important. Yeah, this the physical yeah. body that she is currently in needs those glasses to see. Yeah, because yeah. her eye because the the lenses in her eyes are in improper shape. That's... Is, are you now channeling your wife? <laughs> well, I'm just explaining that the need for glasses is not yeah. psychological. Like, no, no, it's clearly. I'm not suggesting. Uh, no, I'm just saying though because, like, <laughs> as as, as will uh, I'm gonna nitpick it later. So I'm saying, mm. like, but the need for glasses is 100 percent biological and like it. It, it might seem physiological. Dear listener, it might seem it might seem that we're over overworking this point, which we are. <laughs> but, okay, but Paul Hollywood, don't critique my bread anymore. <laughs> 
But anyway, so written up on the thing, written as an ancient Greek graffiti is saying that if you break into this tomb, you're going to get one you bargained for, right? Beware the gra- yeah. wrath of the god of war. So obviously, um, this is cue for a clip where we have Xena and Ares um, flirting. It's a, it's a very early one where he's he's trying to win her back. Mm. It's that by the gods, Xena, you are a beauty. Yeah, so it's our, it's one? the first time it's an ep- it's the episode where we first meet him. Um, yeah, it's, it's what the clip's from, but it's quite short, so that's good. Um, and then after that point, I don't remember exactly what happens. You've made notes and I haven't, but I don't remember precisely what happens apart from they progress further into the tomb and then Mel yep. accidentally finds the scrolls by leaning on something. She, um, so she, they're, they're going through the, the, the very booby-trapped tomb, because obviously, mm. and Jana says, no one touch anything that looks suspicious, and Mel immediately kind of pulls a lever. Obviously. And, and arrows and axes and all that kind of stuff happens. And she says, well, it didn't look suspicious. <laughs> and, then, and Janice just says, just, just sit down while, while we look for the, you know, just sit down, sweetheart, while while we look for the stuff. So she sits down and sitting on this particular stone activates some ancient auto, you know, automated thing. And, and there are the scrolls. Yeah. 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 And then she starts so to find- read one of them and then we get treated to oh, an extremely long clip uh, of, of um, Marcus. Marcus. An extremely long clip from the episode Mortal Beloved. Now, I am... Yes. I watched this at two times speed. (laughs) I fast forwarded through this clip and watched it at two times speed. And um, let me tell you, it is somehow worse. Um, Like the (laughs) the action, the CGI, the um, yeah, like the the harpies, the the fucking PS one era CGI harpies. Um, Oh, there's something else, man. And watching it done fast is just it's even worse. It is even yeah, worse. we didn't we didn't need to see any of that again. No, and then the really bad kissing with Marcus at the end. Um, unfortunately, yeah. and then sadly, we didn't get to see the her stabbing him in the heart. I would have been fine <laughs> no, with seeing see, that part. See the good again. bit, <laughs> the good you bit know. of that storyline. <laughs> that was the good bit, but yeah, that was a it was a really long yeah. clip from Mortal Beloved. So yeah, sometimes. Yeah. But so so we can tell that this is this is one of Gabrielle's stories because we can see it happening. We can see that yes. it's you know, as, as established as previously established in the last clip show. Uh, we've already, by the way, we've already had a, an excerpt of um, the ladder fight from Callisto. Yeah, which uh, to to show that Mel can translate and, and she well, says sure. before before he died, my daddy taught me ancient syntax. <laughs> That's you know, syntax isn't a language. Right? <laughs> yeah, but no, but it, no, 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 let me stop you there. The reason why that's. Oh, well. Oh, no, like the reason why she said that is because Mel, uh, Janice rather, monocle. was translating it wrong and she was getting the. Yes. She was, she was getting the the two characters mixed up. So presumably. That's right, actually. The, the reference to syntax is because, um, like, Janice was reading it but applying like adjectives or whatever to the wrong character which would be explained by syntax yeah. so fuck Fair you because <laughs> I, I consider myself fucked honk <laughs> <laughs> no if we're going to pick plot honk. holes in this episode that's not it that's not yeah, the one there are better things to, <laughs> okay. to focus on okay 
Okay. Now, the other thing that's um, embedded in this rock where the scrolls are is mm. the chakram. Or and... half of it, anyway. Spoiler. Sorry. Um... <laughs> you mix it up in a minute and you can see there's half of it. I mean, like, I didn't yeah. realise. Well, you, you think you think it's going to be a... Well, it kind of is a sword in the stone moment because Janice yeah, can't, can't Janice take it. And Amel says, oh, let me, let me try. I said, well, good luck with that if I can't shift it. But sure <laughs> enough, she pulls it away easily, but it, it's only half the chakram. And almost As, immediately, it, it starts emitting this kind of buzz, this hum, and uh, <laughs> Mel goes into a trance as the chakram pulls her to find the other half of the chakram. Yeah. And guess who's got the other half of the chakram? Is it the baddie from earlier? It's the baddie who's not dead after all. Yeah. But, I mean, how did yeah. he pick it up? That's what I want to know. Oh, detail. Detail schmetails. <laughs> but also, you missed the best joke. Like, the best joke in the episode. Oh. Where Xena, uh, oh. not Xena, Mel pulls the half chakram out and easily. And Janice goes, yeah. goes I listened to it for you. Um, <laughs> which is... <laughs> Love that. That's that class. is A, a dad joke. And yeah. B... A butch lesbian joke. Yeah, and that's <laughs> so why I enjoyed avoid. it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm surprised you didn't enjoy it. You're you're a very you're you're a very lesbian dad. I am. I am. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, there we go. We've got um, we've got two halves of a chakram, and they really want to meet up because without anyone with, with against everyone's will, in the scene, the two chakrams zoom towards each other and meet up. And they oh, that uh, there's an explosion of energy. Everyone gets knocked back on their feet, and yeah, and Mel inexplicably, as the two halves unite, cries out, "Shazam!" And does she re- say that? No, she does. That. She does. When, yeah, no. When they they meet, it kind of goes blam, and she falls okay. back, going "Shazam!" And I regret to inform you that this is referenced in numerous fanfics in a different context no yes no yes. i don't remember that at all yes. why are you introducing it to Shazam me at crucial moments no. of climax climactic no. action like this yes Shazam. reminded me of all the um voyager fanfics where they have um seven screaming omega at the moment of climax because it's the Bor- <laughs> it's like the borg version of god <sighs> there you go. Oh, Shazam. I mean Omega. I love saying that. And he just keep saying it, I think. But I, I remembered I remembered mm. what happened now is that the moment the chakram was complete again, mm. um suddenly she didn't need her glasses anymore because she's not Mel anymore. She's yes. uh, she's now Xena. She's channeling big time. <laughs> well, she's been inhabited by her uh, it's spoilers, right? Like there, this is this is a descendant of Xena, like blood descendant, uh, yeah. and that's that's why. Um, I mean, if you watch to the very end of the series, um, well, do you know what? Yeah, I was about to say, I was I was actually about to say that it makes it, it watching to the end of the series makes this impossible, but I forgot a really important plot point of a layers. <laughs> <One of the layers. laughs> let's let's not let's sort of forgot let's that, that Zena had children. <laughs> let's, leave, let's leave this to another episode. <laughs> Anywho, so a really important point of season four and five at, and six and at like this, whatever. At this moment of Shazam, <laughs> something in the cave starts 
kind of glowing. It's this eye-shaped thing, and and we we learn it's it's called the Eye of Ares. No, it's called the um, Eye of Hephaestus. Oh, whatever. <laughs> anyway, That's it's called the Eye of Hephaestus because Hephaestus, I, I guess, entombed Ares because only his craftsmanship could could hold the mighty Kevin Smith. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all this is nonsense if you watch the rest of the yeah, series. Yeah, so this... <laughs> Never mind. So the, the Eye of... Yeah, sparks. The Eye of Hephaestus glows. It sheds light on the tomb, which has a carving of Ares on it. The the lid of the tomb shifts across and ups its Ares, who's had access to copious amounts of brill cream or its uh, <laughs> early for the, equivalent. For the yeah, he's got very slick back hair. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, oh, it feels so good. Yeah, and he's good in this. Yeah. He's entertaining. He's in it kind of briefly, but like, uh, he immediately fucks with the baddies. Right? Because like, um, the the guy, the Smythe guy is like, this is my home. (laughs) And the Ares is like, well, come ahead, bro. Uh, And so he sends his two henchmen to come ahead, who try and shoot him and Mm. nothing happens. Um, because he's a god, mate. And yeah. then, and then this is the part where people get shot because Ares sort of like conducts them, you know. Yeah, makes he does, them the, turn he does around, the finger guns. Yeah, makes them turn around to face each other, forces them around, and then poof, makes them pew, shoot pew. each other, which is awesome. Yeah. And then, and, he uh, and then he takes out Smythe with a few well-thrown knives, knives that come out of nowhere. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And um. That Smythe Smythe ends his life by choking out my god, which is actually yes, he is. He's a god. Well do you done. get it? Do you get it? You've got do you get it. it. I do get it. I do get god the God of joke. war. It's the god of war. It was good, like the ending. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Um, Ares is Ares says says that you know no one but a descendant of Xena can release him from there. Whatever. Um, Janice yeah. immediately thinks that it must be her. Oh no, very... we have. There's no. <laughs> There's a moment here, a moment here you've missed, which is um, so the bad guys are out and, is and Ares is still on the rampage, <laughs> and and Jacques says, "Never fear, I will protect you from this ruffian. I will shoot him <laughs> with my little gun." And uh, and Ares says, "Oh, what's a what's a brush salesman from New Jersey going to do to stop the god of war?" And they kind of look at Jacques and he goes, "Eh, you got me. I guess it's a fair cop. Then they get fine." <laughs> Oh, I'm loving this attempted New Jersey accent. That's good shit. So this is the plot hole, actually. This is where the plot, the the big plot hole of this episode comes in because he says, "Jockser, who's actually his name is actually Jack, whatever his name was, it's not Sir. What? Jack Klein. Klein. Okay. Uh, So he says that he." tried to sign up to the army to fight the Nazis, but he got 4F'd, which I've seen Captain America, and I know that means that you were, uh, like, physically incapable of fighting. So, like, asthmatics, <laughs> flat feet, you know, whatever. Yeah. I imagine that yeah. Jack Klein got 4F for being a... a <laughs> for, as Ari said, for continuing being his family's <laughs> reputation for undiluted idiocy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So this is the uh, this is where the big plot comes in, and this is why they corrected it in future airings. Because if this is nineteen forty, um, then that wouldn't have happened. Because, um, yeah, the Americans didn't enter the war till the following year after uh, Pearl Harbor, hence the, the of hence the December correction, nineteen forty one. Yeah, we we get. Let's briefly remember that this is a clip show. We 
we get <laughs> and not a history proof, lesson. Proof, <laughs> proof of the in, proof of the inherited uh, inability oh. to fight. We get we get a flashback to Jock's first fight with Gabrielle so when he's his first episode when he's still trying to get in Callisto's good graces when he <laughs> tries to murder Gabrielle with a tiny tiny dagger. <laughs> the tiny it's the, tiny it's, dagger. It's the fight where she keeps kind of putting him down and just going, "Oh, don't make me keep doing this, man." Yeah. <laughs> You broke my crossbow. So that's fun. So, so then we have this. Uh, anyway, there's no point you you trying to do anything because only a true descendant of Xena can defeat me, can return me to my tomb. And uh, and Jan is like, oh well, here's where I come in. Yeah. She, that's her. She, that's kn- her. she knows she's had these stories handed down through the family. Yeah. Direct from her, her, her fantasy great 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 grandmother Xena. <laughs> Yep. So um, yeah. Uh, no, sorry about Ares, that. Ares, Ares rapidly disabuses her of that notion and says, "Ah, oh, no, you you are related to someone in this this whole thing. Think, irritating blonde." Mm. And we get a clip of Callisto because Jan thinks, "Well, I must have been a mighty warrior of some kind, even if it was a bad one." And uh, and then she's horrified to learn <laughs> that she's actually descended from Gabrielle. Gabrielle, the uh, best character of the show, Janice. I know. It's and the clip we get is Gabrielle on nut bread. Oh, that was <laughs> good though. Always always <laughs> nice to revisit. <laughs> Gabrielle on nut bread is pretty good. And you know Whacked what? I think that I'm pretty sure that it's not until this moment actually that we realise that that um, Dina is now inhabiting Mel's body. Yes. Right? So I, she's, I jumped the She's gun kind there. of been Mel was kind of thrown to the floor and now she rises twirling a sword. I don't know where she got the sword from. And she lets her hair um, down and she's not wearing glasses anymore. She, yeah, takes off her glasses, lets her hair because down. Because obviously... Oh God, she's actually with, beautiful. Because, yeah. <laughs> because obviously with Xena now inhabiting her body, her those physical eyes that she's looking through no longer require corrective yeah. lenses. That's how that works. <laughs> yeah. This well, is I, the I sort, this is the proper this... plot hole of the episode. Well, I don't know how this corporeal possession thing. Works. I feel like comic book is... guy here. I do feel yeah. a bit. I, do, I look it's, like it's him, not. Like it's not real. your first time. It's not your first time <laughs> to say. Anyway, yeah. So so basically, Mel is descended from Xena Jaxer, or Jackline is descended from Joxer. Janice is descended from Gabrielle and Wonko is descended from comic book guy. Yeah. That's what we've established. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are the bloodlines. Those are the bloodlines. Yeah, that's the bloodlines for you. Right, okay. So, so now uh, naturally yeah. Xena doesn't want to fight in, in Mel's prim prim little pencil skirt, so she rips the seams to mm. uh, give her some leggy leggy leg room. And then takes off the high heels as well. Yeah, and and Ares is like, oh, there you are. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been looking forward to seeing you again. So he goes in for a snog, and gets a knee in the groin for his uh, for his good. trouble, which is nice. Yes, good. Right. So if I can good. sum up the rest of the episode, I'm literally I'm going to sum up the whole rest of the episode right in the next thirty seconds. Cool. Cool. Ares wants Zena to release him. Zena refuses. Mm-hmm. Ares mm-hmm. Uh, grabs Janice and Jack. Jack. Uh, and uses them as sort of um, like do this or hostages. I'll kill them hostages. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so Zena 
gets helps them out of their hostage situation. Ares is about to escape into the world to make everything worse than it was before. And then yep. um, Xena defeats him and he goes back into his tomb forever. There you go. That's the episode. Um. <laughs> That's most of the episode. That is that is most of the episode. Yeah. Um, the, the, there's one bit I really like where uh, kind of mid, in, in a little gap between fight, fight, fights, um, Janice is kind of feeling a bit glum because she's... Mm. Oh, because you know, I thought I was someone, and it turns out I'm I'm only descended from the from the useless blonde. And Zena, uh, Zena is like, "Hey, that's my wife. You're talking about. Yeah. That's my wife. <laughs> yeah. um, more so, or less. So that's we get what she some, says. Yeah, we get that's basically it. So that, so we get some clips of Gabrielle being awesome. Um, we get some clips of comfortable bit. I tell you what, I I didn't like was. Ares wanting to get out because there's this new guy he thinks he can work with, this guy Hitler, and I just think, eh, I didn't like that. What, and because you don't, God of War. you don't like the idea of, of the God of War not yeah. being a goodie? Yeah. Because <laughs> so we, we like, it... what we've said before, we, we <laughs> like his kind of ambivalence about good and evil, and he's he's normally kind of the, the good kind of evil, not the really the evil kind, kind of evil. The good kind of evil. Yeah. The good kind of evil. So that, no, I don't like that. Right, yeah. Let me let me just stop you there. Let me. I I, I want to analyze this. The good oh, kind we, of we not evil. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I think that you're. Pro- I think that what you're what you're expressing here is that it was uncomfortable to hear Ares uh, wanting to be on the side of someone who we know is a really bad bad guy. A really bad uh, actual and, human like, guy. Putting him into the actual historical context of the Second World War, which mm. was like uh, one of the worst things to ever happen in human history. Yeah. Um, uh, is, uh, you know, but because we don't have any context of the fantasy violence that he commits, you know, I think mm. that's what you're trying to say, that it feels it, it feels Thank different. You. It hits different. Thank you for putting those it's words sort of... into my mouth. They are actually the right <laughs> words. I see what you mean, yes. Uh, that's why I don't... It's the same reason why... I, I find it very difficult to find uh, comedies set in World War Two funny, mm. like Dad's yeah. Army and Alo Alo. Although, which I my, did my watch mom, them. My mum couldn't bear Alo Alo because she said it was you know, demeaning to the resistance and it was such yes. a you know a terrible thing. But she loved Dad's Army, and her father had been in the Home Guard. Mm, so it's just weird. So that's that's funny, but that's okay. But yeah, same. interesting. Same kind of thing. Same sort of thing, yeah. Is but it? like, like the 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 German characters in Alolo that we're expected to sort of be amused by, and some of them identify mm. with, and yet you know they're fucking Nazis, mate. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like okay, yeah. okay, yeah. really. Um, but um, yeah. oh yeah, I was going to mention Alolo anyway because like Jacques Sir's accent. Oh yeah, Jacques Sir is very much good, good moaning, moaning, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down as well. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, I know what you mean. Um, I do, I find that a little bit uncomfortable. The idea mm. of finding humor in it, especially when it's not when um, uh, I do you know what I think what do you know what I think it might might be actually the reason why your mum liked Dad's Army but not Alo Alo is because yeah. I think finding humor in your own experience is cathartic, but. Finding humour in other people's horrific experiences is not. It is, and also, by and large, the experience of the Home Guard wasn't horrific, whereas the experience of the French uh-huh. Resistance was horrific. So yeah, it's, it's that a as different... well. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, we we digress a little, but no, it's interesting. Yeah, there, there was a little. Yeah. yeah. Who would have so thought we'd have an interesting think... philosophical conversation about the Xena Scrolls? I think another way to to have taken it would have been, um, you know, I'm the god of war and it's it's a world war baby, but there's a guy out here who's giving giving me a bad name. You know, there was there was a, an opportunity to. There's an opportunity for us to be on the side of Ares to want him to escape yeah. so that he could beat up Hitler, and then that yeah, would make no, and then exactly. that would make Zena sort of the one who stopped Hitler from being. It's tricky, isn't stopped. it? It's tricky. Yeah. When, it's tricky when you apply it's tricky any when level you of criticality it, you know? to it. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So, as as my colleague says, long story short, Ares is back in the box. Mm-hmm. everyone's escaped uh, Jan blows up the entrance to the tomb to make sure he can't get out again um, and they they go off well they being Janice and Mel go off into a brave new world where they're going to go go and look for adventures together and step out from their daddy's shadows a brave new world of lesbianism yeah black, brave new world of fanfic yeah but and, obviously uh, we had to like sort of uh, straight bait it with uh, Mel appearing to find Joxer attractive. Yeah, briefly at being, the end, being being wooed by such such irresistible lines as "You're a swell looking tomato with a with a nice set of gams." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but she goes off with Janice, so that's okay. Yeah, that's but the there's a there's an inadvertent little switcheroo. So Janice has the bag of the scrolls. She puts it down on pillion of her bike or or whatever and Joxa later picks it up thinking it's his so it's we think mm. it's an inadvertent switcheroo but it, it happens anyway so Jan Jan still hasn't got the scrolls Joxa has got them off they go into the sunset and then it leads and, to the ending that you'd forgotten right that you I, find yeah, incredibly cringy <laughs> it's, it's cringy and unnecessary but it kind of it kind of fits I guess with the oh but like that that's the thing it's, about Xena it's always been so meta yeah you know there are multiple yeah. episodes that are set in the modern day uh where it's where like the show exists as itself you know yes and there are yeah. episodes that are about so, fans of the show <laughs> yeah. you know oh god yeah <laughs> <laughs> That that must be coming up soon. Super fans. Um, yeah. So so what we get is another caption saying, 50 years later and we're in LA, it becomes apparent. And there is next generation or next next but one generation jocks are pitching wacky ideas to some film exec. Yeah. Uh, who's, who's Shit ideas. Who's back to us. Yeah. Ter- terrible B-movie type ideas. Ideas that and have he, already been done, which is historically accurate for his character considering that we did have true. earlier on. Uh, we did have a continuation of the tradition of having clips mm. from other shitty movies. Uh, yeah, which when, was when, when Jacques Sir is trying to uh, big himself up to to Mel and Jan, yeah. he tells them about his adventures, and and they're all when he clips fought from a mummy. terrible B movies. They're all just yeah. B movies. He fought a mummy. He fought a werewolf. Yeah. They're all hammer yeah. horror <laughs> efforts. <it. laughs> So he finally says, "Well, I got one. I got one last idea I can pitch you." And he, he opens his briefcase and he's got one of the scrolls. And he says, "This has been handed down from my grandfather, who blah blah blah." And he he reads it and he hands it over. And the guy, oh, he says, "Look, have a look at this, Rob." And you think, "Oh no, they're not going to do that, are they?" And they do do and that do. because then it swing, 
it's the camera swings round to the the little sign on the desk saying Rod, Rob Tappert, executive producer, and there he is, the man himself, <laughs> reading the scroll and going, "Do you know what? This might just work. Kind of, <laughs> we might just be able to do business." And there we go. That's that's literally how Xena began. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Classic stuff. Uh, I I like the line. <laughs> um. We don't. We don't have to have a high budget for this. We can shoot it in a third world country using the locals. Oh, mm. ow! Do you think that would have gone down well in New Zealand, from your experiences living there? Um, I'm. I'm gonna guess from how well all my jokes about hello, I'm from the motherland. I'm here to. I'm here to put you right. I'm gonna <laughs> guess no, it didn't go down well. <laughs> <laughs> so let me get. Let, hang on. Let me get this straight. So when you lived in New Zealand, you did that joke more than once. <laughs> No, I remember doing it. I remember doing it once, and then and then you got stabbed <laughs> yeah, in the eye with enough. a kiwi stick. <laughs> yeah, once was enough. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Oof. Uh, oof. Yeah, but I suppose what's quite nice about the the very ending is he. So Rob Tappert says, "Well, tell me more about this scene," and then it goes into the the opening sequence, and we get up to that that smile, that dazzling, and that's what it freezes on. Yeah, so and that's kind of, the bit you go, like. Full it. circle. That's yep. the bit I like. That smile, man. It does mm. me every time. All right. So we somehow managed it because yes. I thought that we would re- discuss that episode and recap its plot in like 20 minutes max. And I think it's been closer to an hour. So um, well yeah. done. Well done, Flam. I didn't take any notes Thank for you. precisely that reason. Um, uh, good, good thinking. <laughs> but you I did. So I stopped doing <laughs> it for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> but you took some notes oh, and you really wanted to run with it. Well, this is your favourite episode, isn't it? So. It is, and there's so much nice detail in there. Honestly, it's, yeah, it's so is. nicely done. Yeah. yeah, people don't don't need to watch it now though, because they've heard you describe it in minute minute detail. I'll go and watch it again though. Go and watch it. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Yeah. Um. So, um, shall we just shall we have a little chat about uh, its impact? Yeah. Continuing impact of the Xena Scrolls on the Xena fandom. Well, I, I think it was significant in in a couple of ways or for, for a couple of reasons. I think one of the reasons it really appealed um, to, to fanfic writers was that it left everything wide open and we never went back to it. There was never any further canon about, oh, actually, now that, that fanfic doesn't work because... Yeah. Unless it was unless there was something going back to kind of Xena history. Mm-hmm. But we had these these two characters who were quite well established as... This is type A, this is type B. Yeah. But they weren't fully fleshed out, so you could still give them characteristics, you could still put more into them than the show writers had done. Mm-hmm. So, so you had these kind of proto-characters that you could actually do whatever you, you wanted with. Yep. So I think I think that was really good. And the other the other reason was people started to think, oh, okay, so that that's what Xena and Gabrielle would be like in that situation, in that time period. We could do that. With some, so this kind of really kicked off the whole Uber thing. I that that's my memory. Yeah, that's of... my memory of it as well. Yeah. Like um, first, people started started out writing Mel and Janice stories, and Mel, then Mel and Janice stories became their own genre. Yeah, and then people realised. Wait, hang on. We could do this yeah. for other. We could just transplant these characters into other settings. Um. And yeah. I don't. Maybe I'm not old enough to know whether that was a thing in fandom before, but it feels like it popularized it anyway. 
at the very least it, it feels like it, it popularized I, it i i don't know enough about other fandoms because this was kind of my my first thing mm-hmm. but it felt like when when all that kicked off it felt like oh this is really going in a different direction this is an interesting thing mm-hmm. and it it feels like the precursor of what we now call AUs is alternate universes so yeah any any fanfic yeah. historians out there let us know yeah let us know right because this is my I'll tell you what my assumption is here right my assumption is like you know you know how the the like the foundational ship for um slash in male male slash is mm-hmm. Kirk yeah. and Spock right so yeah. you had all these women writing about Kirk and Spock in the in the sixties and spending their sending yeah. their things around to each other through zines and things like that. Um, and I, I sort of feel like the found like uh, female female like fem slash what didn't have mu- as much of a, a fandom, partly yeah. because we've discussed why this discussed this before not on this podcast but on our, our old one, um, like mm. why that is, and it's partly because of. Um, maybe fewer people wanting to write it because it, it does it does kind of feel like it's only queer women that write femme slash. Yeah. Right? Whereas um I know queer women do write male slash, but they like straight women write that as well. And it is fandom yeah. is a sort of mostly well, fan fiction anyway is mostly a female space anyway. Yeah. Um very largely, yeah. And um but also just like the lack of female characters in shows yeah. that have any significant sort of relationship you know like you, you do have to wait quite a long time <laughs> into the history of television before you, you get do. interesting female characters where there's more than one of them you do um, and, you, so, you, and you know you kind of you can say well uhura was there and she was interesting and she was a but great there was character no one else. but but no but but for for writing yeah kind of straight rom- M- mf stuff yeah. i mean you but, had the nurse what's her name nurse chapel i have seen a bit yeah. of that but but the really strongly established friendships, which was the kind of closest you had to a re- relationship, was Spock and Kirk or, you know, Bones or whoever. Yeah. So it kind of felt that was a much richer scene to exploit, I think. Yeah, totally, you know, because like a, lo- a lot of mm. female characters on TV historically have been very sort of one note, you know. They, yeah. And if you have more than one, their purpose is to hate each other, you know. Like, the yeah. <laughs> for some reason, uh, like the, the fandom that my wife and I met uh, in was CSI, right? CSI Vegas. Mm. And um, the two female characters in that, Catherine and Sarah. Uh, and I don't know why there was so much fanfic about them, probably because they hated each other. That probably was it. Yeah. You know, because you've got that that nice uh, sort of enemies to lovers thing that you can that you can yeah. go for. But yeah. like, yeah, it is like, if you've got more than one female character, they're very rarely even depicted as friends, never mind as anything else. So it feels yeah. to me... This is my feeling, and if you're if you are older than me, and we're involved in fan for, in fandom for longer, please do you know correct me if I'm wrong. But it does feel like Xena, the fan Xena fandom was kind of foundational in a lot of ways for modern yeah. FF fandoms, and it feels yeah. like Mel and Janice were a really big precursor to what was what was then known as Uber Xena, which yeah. was like taking. Zena and Gabrielle putting them into either reincarnations or descendants, right? And then just yeah. putting them into new situations. Uh and which we which we now know as a, a AU, you know, alternate universe. Yeah. Which is a really popular, obviously popular form. And the yeah. other thing that I think this was sort of foundational for was um all the publishers that's like all the kind of publishers that sprung yes. up that 
that whose yeah. raison d'etre was like to file off the serial numbers off fanfic and sell it. Um, yeah. And so I to think the same that, people who'd been reading it online. To the same people that were reading, yeah. To be honest, like I yeah. do own some of these yeah. books. Like, okay, so I'll give you mm. an example of um, one that I bought years and years and years ago. It's Lucifer Rising by Sharon Bowers. Uh, or SL Bowers, I think it is on the on the on the title, but and that was mm. a Zena, that's a Zena Uber. That is Zena is a D <laughs> Zena is the modern version. She's a DEA, DEA agent, um, and Gabrielle is a journalist, and like yeah. she's a DEA agent who went rogue, but actually she's under deep cover, and ooh, and it's a really like it's good. It's actually good. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a few like that. There's a few like that out there. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, there's a lot there's a lot like that. And like the that is still that's still ongoing, you know. There are several publishers I don't know how to pronounce mm-hmm. it. Uliva Uliva Ulva I think. That yeah. one, um, it seems to me it's in its entire uh catalogue is fanfics that people have changed the names for or reworked in some way. Yeah. And then are yeah, now selling. Like yeah. Um So I've got my own opinions about that. <laughs> Which I don't think we need to bother. Are you you going to share them with us? Well, (laughs) not on air. Well, okay, I will share. I will share. I'll just go for it, right? Why not? Let's go. Let's go crazy. Um, This (laughs) I often find that fanfics that have had the serial numbers filed off don't work anymore because Mm. the one of the thing that the thing about fanfic is it misses out a stage. Um, it misses yeah. out a, or two stages, or sort of like it. I guess it misses out several important stages of writing of like writing fiction, which is developing yeah. a character and mm-hmm. um, developing a world for them, a setting for them to be in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that when people try to reverse engineer these aspects into their fanfics so that they can become original, it mm. ruins sort of ruins the fact yeah you you either you either end up with what what the hell's going on here who are these shallow characters or you end Mm. up with here are five chapters of exposition before i start telling the story yes yeah so there are some fanfics that i really enjoyed as fanfics i won't name any names because that's unfair uh when i when i did read them as the published version i really didn't Mm. like them anymore didn't like them even the part and then by the time you got to the parts that i remembered from the original fanfic they'd been kind of ruined you know yeah so yeah i guess that's my that's my opinion on it mm-hmm. uh, and that's why even if anyone asked me to which no one has i wouldn't do it <laughs> 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 but oh more power to you if yeah. you if that's what you're doing and that's like your how you're making your living yeah absolutely absolutely you know, cuz like anything if you can make money writing lesbian romance, go for it. You know, it's a, it's a yeah, new genre and, to start and also, with. Also, we have about seven listeners and the last thing we want to do is antagonise any of you. That's true. You're, you're very precious to us. You're very, very precious to us. Yeah. <laughs> but no, so yeah. I, I have a huge, huge fondness for this episode for, for all of those reasons. Um, and And it also makes me feel quite fondly about the fandom because i think the, the fandom saw these two characters or say they were kind of stock types they weren't particularly written with any 
depth and people picked them up and showed them showed these characters lots of love and attention that the writers hadn't given them they said well no we're, we're not going to have this this joke of a d- dizzy southern bell who's a fish out of water we're actually going to give her backstory and give her characteristics and all that stuff yeah. so i loved that the fandom picked up these characters and looked after them i thought that's great so bard's eye view well my my score is 10 but then i'm going to knock off a point for that ridiculous bit at the end with Joxer and Rob Tappert. <laughs> but then I'm going to add a point back for fandom love. So 10. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm also going to give it a 10. This is a yeah. this is a class. This episode's class. I don't mind the ending as much as you apparently do. Um, I think it, it <laughs> I was just I was so taken aback by it. I'd, I'd, I blocked it. I'd forgotten it. I was like, forgotten oh, God, it. This no, I remembered it, and I, I, I really don't mind it. I think it's fine. It's a joke, you know. It's, it's meta, yeah. and it does feed into later seasons and episodes where the, the executive yeah. producers, uh, like, are characters in the show. Yes. Um, it's more future clip shows actually. The future clip shows become more and more mm. meta. Yeah. So that's fine. Um, yeah. Do you have? I was going to ask you actually. Do you have any memories of any particular? Mel and Janice fanfics that you want to recommend? I do. Um, I would recommend anything written by Vivian Darkbloom. And I have uh, fairly recently, they have been put onto AO3. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, Viv- Viv- yeah, Vivian Darkbloom. And I can't remember the titles of all of them. It's a, ser- a series that ends with one called Venezia, but that is, don't read that until you've read the, the others. Other ones. So look look up Vivian Darkbloom, look, look for her Mel and Jan stuff. And cool. it, that's. That, that I remember that as being the best writing in the fandom. Fabulous! All right, Let, I'm going to let's link... see if that holds up after all these. Years. <laughs> <laughs> I'll link I that when this episode goes out. Right, I think it will. I'll link it on our Twitter. Yeah. Um, the cool. one that I remember the most is um, a fic called "Is There a Doctor on the Dig?" by Bat Morris. Yes, yes, um, I remember that. When we were originally originally in between seasons one and two of this podcast, we were going to have a fanfic mm. special. Yeah. Um, and then we went on to a bit of an extended hiatus because we were a bit burned out. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't have it. And that was the one that I'd wanted to talk about in that fanfic special until I realised that it was I couldn't because it was a spoiler. Uh, yeah, and for the a future we talked about, again, were the, the Vivian Darkbrain ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we've done that now. And like most of the fanfics that I remember, the good, the like the fanfics that I really, really remember and like have read again over the years from Xena are AUs either Mel and Janice yeah. ones or Conqueror AUs. So there's an episode of Hercules at some point um, in the future where it's a sort of it's a wonderful life thing where what it, what it would have been mm-hmm. like if Hercules hadn't existed. And in that yeah. universe we see a, a, a little bit of what Xena would be like if Hercules hadn't existed mm-hmm. and she's the conqueror of all Greece and she's yeah, crucifying she Gabriel. <laughs> so, uh, but there, that sprung up its whole a whole genre of stuff. Mm. And I do like Conqueror yeah. AUs a lot. Um, so yeah, but yeah, yeah. So there you go. There right. you go. That was a ten out of ten. So episode. Bard's Eye View is ten for ten. Yep. And we're going to be back with you next week when we'll be talking about here she comes, Miss Amphipolis. Yeah. See you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Bard's Eye View with me, Wonko, and her, Professor Flimflam. Follow us on Twitter at Bard's Eye Podcast and subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and Amazon and of course on the Podbean app. 
feel free to leave us a review, but only if it's a good one. Bye!